Thought Bubble Audio. Hi, and welcome to Academy Rewind, the fortnightly podcast where we take a look at the Oscars from years past. With me today, as always, uh, is Palmer. How are you today? It's too early in the morning. It is almost noon. I don't. It is 949. That is that not is, almost noon. It's close to noon for people who have been up since five. You know, uh, I know. I know. Thank you for joining me for what for you is an early podcast for most people is already into their workday. I mean, I woke up. There was this giant light coming out from outside it's not it's not fun but that light is called the sun and it's good for you until oh, you I, spend too much time with it and then it's bad for you i've heard of that thing in history books i thought you might have i uh, palmer this is the final episode of the twos podcast the long awaited 1932 episode uh it's been a long time it's been a long time coming uh and so i'm glad that we were finally able to do this uh who knows when the next season will come out it's very hard to watch a lot of movies with a baby so um she's almost one now and so you know like this uh we i like tried to watch as many of these movies in this season before she was born and now we're approaching her first and you failed we're just finishing this season so yeah um but anyway we are here to talk about eight uh movies uh that were all nominated for the 1932 academy awards they are as follows grand hotel five star final one hour with you the champ the smiling lieutenant aerosmith bad girl and Shanghai Express. Palmer, do you know what won Best Picture? Uh, it was the Grand Hotel, was it not? It was the Grand Hotel. Is that, that come up in one of your fun facts? Is that why you know that? Or uh, yeah, I didn't know what won. I didn't write it down, but the Grand Hotel is the only movie in Oscar history to win Best Picture having been nominated for absolutely nothing else. Correct. There's definitely a reason for that. We will get to it once we get through these seven movies before the Grand Hotel. Let's start with Shanghai Express directed by Joseph von Sternberg written by Jules Furthman based on the story by Harry Hervey starring Marlene Dietrich, Clive Brook, Anna Mae Wong, Warner Oland nominated for Best Picture and Director it won Best Cinematography. It is about a notorious woman uh, known as Shanghai Lily who rides a train through a dangerous situation with a British captain she loved. Um, I found this movie intriguing. Um, What I thought was actually interesting when we were not really about the movie but when we were when I was watching the movies and like you know just uh, this past week you know and where to find them and everything and I noticed that Shanghai um, uh, Shanghai Express was playing at a theater uh, near us uh, actually yesterday was the day um, from recording this mm-hmm. uh, it was playing at a theater and so I was like oh what weird like what weird timing so like it's got to be good to you know be, to be shown again and again like this almost 100 years later 90 years later and uh, and it was intriguing it, at points, I f- but truthfully, I found the best part of it the cinematography. When I was like, it won. I was like, okay, I can understand that because that's mm. really the best part of the movie. Um, though I do think that Marlene Dietrich as Shanghai Lily is very is very good. But I think even a lot of that is the way that she shot. Um, because it's noir on a train, you know, and it's like there's civil war in China, so it's just passengers trying to get from. Are they trying to get from Peking to Shanghai? Is that what they're doing? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So. Um, 
so it's you know but it's fine it's got some it's got some mystery in it and you're like and and you know it's got some racism in it uh <laughs> deliberate because it's the 1930s <laughs> yeah right and so but i didn't find it like terrible even like it could have gone in a very bad direction and so as far like and but it was like a movie that i watched that was very pretty there were shots that'd be like wow that was good yeah All right, let's move on yeah and i mean even to the even to the point where the entire movie is kind of laid out and done kind of in that style of a train moving like it, it's kind of fast paced for the time the even like the rhythm of the dialogue like everything is done to mimic to mimic the movement of a train um yeah. and i talk? was what do you talk what do you talk what do you talk yeah, right <laughs> like just yeah. like the music man yeah it got old after a while but yeah <laughs> and uh I was just, you know, th- there was no, there was no murder on it, so I don't know why. You know, that's I don't so know weird. Why it's Perot so funny because I was like waiting for a murder <laughs> to happen, and I was like, my God, Agatha Christie has like, like conditioned me to expect murder on a train, like, but um, all these people are boarding. You're like, and you killed them, and you killed them, and that's you killed them. I was like, look at all of these different people, and one of them's going to be the murderer. They're all going to think it's Shanghai Lily, but it won't be, and like, that's <laughs> not really the movie at all. Um, nope, not even. Not even a little, really. No, no. There is a mystery about a character, and but it's not really murder. It's kidnapping and like terrorism, but it's also a love story. And I feel like under different conditions, like even in a, not even a modern context, but like this is a movie that I wouldn't mind seeing remade, um, because mm. it's got enough going for it and enough intrigue, and you could really like exp- you could expand upon the things that are worthy of expanding because it's. Yeah. Like, it's like a clean hour and a half, right? It's, it might even be less than that. Um, yeah. yeah, and it's yeah. like an hour and twenty, I think. Yeah, it's like it's a really it's a really short chain train trip. So, um, yeah, um, they, so did, they didn't have see, time for frivolous. They did it. No, people then. were people were starving. We had to cut <laughs> we had to cut budget down. It's the depre- It's the depression. So, um, yeah, but I liked it. But like I said, the best part of it is its cinematography. Um, Absolutely, and uh, the acting as well. I mean, I did. There was the I can't think of his name offhand. But the character actor that, that shows up, he shows up a lot in these kinds of movies. But mm-hmm. uh, the one that was that was always with um, the the mixed the mixed the mixed ethnic guy, the guy who was half white, half Asian. Yep. But uh, uh, I know who you're talking about, but I don't. Yeah. I can't remember the name. So yeah. So the, there's definitely some decent character actors in it, and you know, it's got Marlene Dietrich who's who does a really good job. Um, this what I think. There's nothing bad about this movie. Yeah. Like I, it's just like at the end, it's like it's just a pretty movie. Yeah. But, like, there's not enough story for the actors to, like... No, no, there's not the story. There's not enough background on the characters to, like, really connect with them. Mm. Um, And so, like, they just kind of pass through the train. Mm-hmm. Um, And maybe that's like on purpose. travelers. Like, travelers, right. And so, but there's no... Are on a train. I actually found that to be consistent with most of the films in these categories, where some, like, there's just not enough time spent with many of them to, like, mm. really get emotionally attached to anything um apart from maybe one movie so yeah um, yeah so anyway so uh, give me some fun facts on shanghai express all right it was rumored that marlene petrick and anna may wong were having an affair at the time of filming this has never been confirmed good for them that, yes the hayes office expressed concern about the unlikable character of the minister which prompted a revision of the script other concerns included the remark by chang that he was not proud of his white blood but that line remains in the print ah uh, 
the Hayes Code. Oh, so yeah. actually, this is actually worth noting right at the top of the episode that most of these movies are pre-code Hollywood before the Hayes Code. Um, and we haven't actually really had to encounter this before, I guess, apart from the 29 episode. Um, but the Hayes Code is this thing in Hollywood that came to like start restricting what could and couldn't be shown in movies. It's like pre-MPAA. Hmm. Uh, and so pre the Hayes Code, there's just a lot of stuff covered in movies that you wouldn't have really expected to see or what we would expect to see in the 30s and the 40s and the 50s. And it's not only until the 50s, 60s, mostly the 60s and then the 70s that you really start to break away from these like uh, kind of um, uh, maybe conservative, wholesome family values like, you know, kisses can only be this long and they can't be open mouthed and you can't have uh, divorcees or show this or this or this on screen. And, and so um, a lot of these movies being pre-code, they're actually the plots actually cover a lot of things that we wouldn't really bat an eye at with a modern sense. But in the 30s, um, you know, could have been scandalous. Yeah. Good old Rutherford B. Hayes. Good man. probably. China initially banned the movie, demanding the withdrawal from worldwide circulation. The ban was lifted when Paramount pledged not to make another film involving Chinese politics, proving that that capitulating the China in the movie industry is not just a new thing. People. That is, that is just, <laughs> that, that just has always been like that. All right. Yep. Well, at least they're consistent. Yeah. Yeah. You can't you can't cut off the the second largest market in the world. Nope. That was was that three? Or, that was three. Yeah. Oh, sorry. I was waiting for the third fun fact. Good fun fact. Oh, right. Marlene Dietrich. That was the second one. Right. Marlene um, Dietrich. Krypton. Boom. Yeah, got boom, it. Got it. Yeah. Hey, I have that shirt. You were in the 1776 shirt. I got that one, too. Did you? Yeah. Before you <laughs> arrived at the show. Palmer and I saw a staging of 1776 a few weeks ago, uh, an all-female-led cast of 1776, and it was magnificent. Yep. Uh, and coming soon to Broadway, and then America. So, yeah. <laughs> um, it's, yeah. It, September, October goes to Broadway for um, a limited, for a set limited run. Oh, and, and then when you it, said America, you mean actually like touring yeah, America. Yep. Oh, and then I thought you were that, being funny. Oh. Nope. And then after that, it's going on tour. Oh, I will see that again. Yes, absolutely. Any chance I can see 1776, I am there. Um, all right. Next up, Bad Girl, directed by Frank Borzage, written by, well, based on the novel in the play by Vina Del Mar and Brian Marlowe, who just helped with play. But the film scenario was by Edwin G. Burke, starring James Dunn, Sally Ehlers, and Mina Gombel. Nominated for Best Picture, this movie won Best Director and Best Writing for an Adapted Screenplay. The story revolves around a man and a woman, skeptical about romance, but nonetheless fall in love and are wed. But their lack of confidence in the op- in the opposite sex haunts their marriage. From the description I- on IMDb, I would say this movie sounds interesting. From that description, I would also say this movie sounds interesting. I don't know how 100% accurate that, that that description is. There's definitely a man and a woman in it. Um, yeah. Yep, that's true. So the funny thing is that like, I when I was like typing up these notes and everything like that, I put that description and I was staring at it. I'm like, did I watch Bad Girl? Because <laughs> I don't remember. That doesn't sound like the movie I watched. But it was also the second one I watched. I watched Grand Hotel first. And then I and then I watched that, so I was like, I 
Sure. Why not? You know, it was funny because I this movie was available on YouTube, and so I was watching it. I was watching it uh, the other day, and as I was watching it, I remember sending you because you were talking about you were going to watch some movie or whatever, and I'm like, but you could watch this, and I sent you the, the champ. You sent me the champ. Oh, did I? Yeah. I thought I sent you Bad Girl. No, you and sent I'm me like, the champ. No. And I'm like, huh, this doesn't sound like the movie right up. <laughs> this doesn't seem like the movie right up I sent Tim. This Am I watching seem, the right movie? This doesn't <laughs> seem like about a man and his boy who's a boxer at all. Like this, <laughs> like, um, so aside from like a, a deceptive title, like I don't really understand why you call it Bad Girl. Uh, well, the only thing that I kind of come across. So but it's weird because that like it kind of like crossed over with the smiling lieutenant for me in my brain because like the princess that the lieutenant marries and the smiling lieutenant is like also afraid of the opposite sex in in so like and she like learns to wear sexy lingerie and that solves all their problems and so like i was like is that the same did i watch the same movie twice but one had singing i was so confused um so when it comes down to it this movie is incredibly forgettable and is not worth anyone's it, time it kind of is like my biggest my biggest takeaway when i was watching it yesterday was it's it's a it's a man and a girl and a guy who meet get married have a child and that's it it's just three it's just a small progression through life they don't give any sort of time frame but i'm thinking it's like under two years and that's it like they just kind of lilt from one from one thing happening in their life to the next with no sense of real issue or the the point from what i gathered because i like i like looked at other things like what people had written about it to kind of gain a thing and it was really just supposed to be like a slice of life of depression america like so when you say like they just they get married they have a baby they have an apartment they like that's all it's supposed to be to be like this is what life was like at the time for people in this moment and then it's just you know what if it's if it's a slice of life of depression in america like aside from the fact that i know it takes place in the depression it's not like these people are destitute or or really struggling to survive yeah they're kind of they're kind of you know maybe paycheck to paycheck but it's never like i don't know where the money's going to come from for us to be able to eat this week so it it definitely doesn't give off the sense that it's the depression unless you physically know that That this will be that is the depression right yeah i the people's viewer reviews of it seem to be kinder than like just the general rating of the movie and like people who took the time to actually stop and review it are like no it's actually good because of this reason but like i just it just didn't hit any it just didn't hit any marks with me but mostly because i think like the description is weird the poster is like a weird sell for the type of movie that it is yeah like, it's like they didn't know how to mark it's like the it's like uh, the um, they didn't know I how can... to market the movie right and it, so it's understandable because there's no there's no conflict whatsoever almost like there's a little bit of conflict at the end with them with each one thinking the other doesn't want a child it's the gift of the magi thing we're like oh i got you a comb but i cut my hair to get you a watch you know yeah like, i don't really understand why she had to cut her hair or he buy her a watch for a baby it's a weird it's a gift of the magi <laughs> it's um, a it's a weird 30s custom apparently it was yeah what, what is wild to me is that this movie won best director like there wasn't really anything maybe because like 
because he was the only one nominated. Yeah, maybe because we're like not. Uh, that is not true. Oh. Shanghai Express was also nominated for Best Director, as was The Champ. Yeah. Um. But it, it was. Um. I don't know. Like it. Maybe because it was like oh, we're still in an era of like moving out of silent film into into talkies and like and it's like what like um I would say like what what's expected of movies at this time mm-hmm. in the type in like in so like to get a movie that's like we're not hamming anything up we're not really doing anything but showing you what life is like then now like we've seen so much of that it doesn't hit a chord but then maybe because it, it is kind of fresh that way it it hits some kind of particular yeah. note and my other my biggest issue with this movie and maybe this kind of colored colored my opinion of it going forward is there's a line fairly early on in the movie when the when the woman and man meet where supposedly like her and her friend have a bet whether or not this guy she can get this guy to hit on her and this guy is like ah you women always complaining about men hitting on you but yet you wear clothes like that and she's literally in a floor length dress yep yeah <laughs> and i was like there was a lot what, of that in the in the what movies. in the ever living living hell is this like you know what the funny thing is though that like the, that line that argument people just haven't changed even though the styles have changed and what people right, like, believe right. like it's still like that's just and it's just like i'm just sitting there i'm like oh my god like this is like typical 19 you know this is typical like 1930s 1940s fashion where women are almost completely covered up and this guy's like you wearing provocative clothing like that i can see a shoulder well well that's what but you know what it's funny but that's like it's like the haze code really actually did try to button some of that up like there's some scenes from different people where like you can see a lot of that woman and that's unusual for like 1931 um and so like just so uh just just hollywood liberals being liberal like that's like even then um i guess but anyway let's give me some fun facts on bad girl we're spending way too much time on a movie that was mediocre at best frank borzug became the first person to win a second best director academy award borzage not borzug get his name right frank borgia wanted spencer tracy for the male lead but fox wouldn't agree to this james dunn was cast indeed and the reason why fox turned down um spencer tracy being in this movie is because it wasn't a part of a priest so <laughs> He was only he was only doing priest roles at this point, or pilots. I think at yeah. that point, yeah, he was also he had streaked his way into pilotum. Yeah, Pontius Pilate. Yes. Like that seems like a weird. No, that seems the, like a weird mix no, of, of the characters. Pe- the pen guy. Come on. Um, I was gonna say you're either a priest or you're the guy that or the guy that condemned Jesus. It's That's, one of the two. It's one of the two. Yep. Several film studios were interested in adapting Vina Del Mar's novel, but were put off by the Hayes office insistence that they would have to they would have difficulty getting it past them fox came up with a treatment that satisfied them mm-hmm. okay well i wonder yeah. what was in there before that see that's why i like this like pre some of them are code some of them are pre-code like it's interesting but anyway moving on to aerosmith directed by the great john ford written by Sidney howard based on the novel by sinclair lewis starring ronald coleman helen hayes and richard bennett nominated for best picture adapted writing cinematography and art direction this movie won no awards a medical researcher is sent to a place 
plague outbreak where he has to decide priorities for the use of a vaccine, which is really the third <laughs> act of this movie. Yeah, the yeah. first two are him like learning to be a doctor and then being a doctor and then like, I mean he's not really we learning. Really he's like, see he's him like learning. a new no he's like a new doctor. He's, he's like, like I'm gonna become a doctor. Two scenes later, I'm a doctor. Yeah, we don't have time for this. It's an hour and a half. Cut, <laughs> cut the learning. Um, I kind of enjoyed this one, like in so much that it's like it's a movie that I watched, like I would never go back to it. But because I think it was still kind of weirdly relevant with people, like where he's like, I gotta use people to use my vaccine. People are like, oh, you can't do that. Like, you know, like how will you know if it works? He's like, it's called the science. It's called like the scientific process, and like I mean, their whole thing was at least the whole thing on that was well, we don't know if it'll work or if it'll kill anybody yet because it hasn't been because there hasn't been a trial and it hasn't been tested and he was like so then how am i supposed to test it right yeah (laughs) i but i like i got the they they were like the colony was like i am not interested in being your test subject and then that guy comes up he's like i know where there will be some test subjects you're like (laughs) i like i feel like it's it's awful because it's like this black guy comes up and he's like i know where there are some test subjects this black community like and you're like (laughs) okay this is getting this is a terrible like now but at the same time he's like they don't have the medical resources available to them to get help at all so this is like to to like to his community it was like this was like a either right. die or like do this or last maybe year, not or, die or maybe not die um and so i uh so i thought the movie handled it pretty well because again kind of like shanghai express like it could have gone in a terrible terrible direction yeah, yeah um and uh and i thought it was pretty good i i felt the movie was melodramatic for the sake of being melodramatic like well, like his dealing like, with the plague tim well there was that no it was more hit the wife stuff like she was like uh, yeah. he was like i gotta go I, like she was like i'll go for a walk with you he's like in the snow no i'll walk alone he's like you came this whole way you came to the island and I'm like and now spoilers you died because you followed me lesson number one if you just stayed home like i told you you wouldn't be dead like that's or that's if what she would have went with him maybe she wouldn't have died there's that too like she finally did stay home and she died right and so, then she died yeah but if but but she like forced her way into going in the first place if she stayed in america she wouldn't have died well we don't know that i think we can safely assume at least that she would not have died the way that she did maybe she maybe it's like right a time i was gonna say like how is she making died money no matter what yeah 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 i don't know like is he sending money back like there was, Could have. look in the 1930s i think there's a very there's a very big um logic gap between a man and wife living in different countries and finding a way to support both like there's just something that i don't i don't think kind of fits no, but true. was this based on a story at all or uh i don't think so yeah it was based on sinclair lewis's sinclair lewis's novel but i don't think that was based on a true story all right uh but you're right the the wife in this kind of has nothing to do which is which is really you know what to me it was like the epitome of old hollywood like we need a dame you know <laughs> so there's a dame in this movie so right like there's a dame like that's what it felt like there was just like a room with men smoking and it's like but who's gonna play the dame the one right. that runs around after her man the whole time <laughs> yeah uh, uh coleman i think does a really good job coleman his name right yeah yeah, yeah ronald coleman yeah. yeah ronald coleman does a really good job as arrow smith although he didn't sing i don't want to miss a thing once uh but i, w- I truthfully I, I was waiting for i was waiting for um oh i don't know literally any song do like <laughs> a lady i don't know <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, so, uh, but it, it was interesting. It was interesting enough 
in the storyline, I think it actually gave us a storyline, unlike uh, Man and Woman Life in the last movie. Bad Girl. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm, I refuse to call it that because it makes no sense. Man and Woman Life in the last movie. What a great yep. title. <laughs> yeah. You know, even though the even though in this one, the wife doesn't really have much to do other than be like, I'm coming, you know, I'm going to do this with you. No. Yes, I am. Okay. I'm going to do this with you. No. Yes, I am. Okay. Now I die. And like, I die. I die. I die. She doesn't have much to do, but it at least has a little bit to do. Coleman kind of carries the movie on his own. Uh, you also have the, <laughs> you also have like the tip, like if you were to think of old Hollywood caricature of foreign doctor, couldn't get any more like on the nose than the than the angry German guy. <laughs> he kind of reminded me of the the crazy um, uh, conspiracy theory train guy from The Simpsons with the dark circular glasses, the monorail guy. Oh yeah, like, yeah, yeah. that's what he reminded me of. You really have to stop and get your hair cut. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, uh, you know, it dealt with you know it dealt with a problem that that was prevalent at the time, which was nice, or at least a little bit prior. Yeah, to because that. this is the third. 30s and like the you know the memory of the Spanish flu is obviously still like strong within them you know what I mean and there was vaccines for the Spanish flu and so like like and you tell me like you know what I mean and, like we've been COVID for a few years so like in let's say seven years time someone makes a movie about like a vaccine and people will be like oh yeah I remember I have vague memories of that seven like, years time we're already yeah. seeing movies about COVID time that's true but we pump out more movies now than like we did you know than they they mm, did that do we. We do. Absolutely. Yeah. There's there's an overabundance of content. Maybe not movies. Maybe just content in general. Yeah. TV and movies. Yeah. That, that I would agree with. Uh, but this is definitely a movie worth watching if you like older movies or just kind of like not necessarily working your way through Hollywood classics. I don't know if I would consider this a Hollywood classic, but it's definitely in the realm of like classic Hollywood movies that are at least worth watching once. That's a, that's a good way to that's a good way yeah. to put it. Um, fun facts for Aerosmith. The first American sound film to feature a black character, Dr. Oliver Machar, played by Clarence Brooks with a university degree who speaks perfect English, does not shuffle, and does not act in the uh, the usual stereotypical manner in which blacks were depicted in Hollywood films at the time. That's wonderful. See? Yeah. I knew it handled something well. John Ford later said on of working with Ronald Coleman in this film, Aerosmith was already cast when I went over to, to MGM. Ronnie and I were friends, so I was delighted. Though he was the leading star in the business then, nobody ever acknowledged what a superb actor he was. They just accepted him as Ronald Coleman. He did everything so easily. He never played drunken scenes or grew a beard or did any of those things which get Academy Awards. But he was the greatest actor I have ever known. You didn't have to work with Ronnie. It was that simple. He knew exactly what to do and was letter perfect when he did it. This is a, such a nice thing to say and I also love like grew a beard that thing that makes you win Oscars. Well, I mean, you know, Nicole Kidman got a prosthetic nose. So. And she won an Oscar. Yeah. yeah. It was a good nose. It w- really was. I don't think they won makeup though it's weird censorship of the time meant that the subplot of Aerosmith's liaison with another woman whilst still married meant that most of Myra Loy's scenes were drastically cut although every attempt was made to restore the present version to its original length there's still about 10 minutes missing which uh, makes sense as I was watching the movie and this this group of people show up a man and woman and just the way like one of them is acting 
looking towards Aerosmith, you're like, oh, she's she's kind of flirting with him, and then you kind of never see anything happen, even though, like, he starts hanging out with them, Mm -hmm. and you're like, well, is he kind of oblivious to her intentions, or what? There's always some sort of uneasiness between their scenes that you're like, was something going on? And it's just never kind of, it's never kind of addressed. I did find that odd, like, I really thought that it was going to go somewhere, and it just didn't, and that was part of the reason that I, I found the movie kind of weak because it was like there were a lot of unresolved threads but that's that why that yeah. would be why and and you know I'm not saying that I'm not saying that the character needs an affair to make the movie interesting it's just a weird it's just a weird thing watching it develop and then not kind of getting any sort of clarification of if you're just reading too much into something right. like if, if or if her character she... wasn't there at all right. I don't think the movie would not be affected but because right. like it would even be a little better because it would mm-hmm. be cleaner but because there's this weird unresolved storyline like are you having an affair and that's why you didn't want your wife to come along or are you just like stuck in your head in your work or is this like a right. thing or is well, she like or is she like seducing you i don't know yeah because the he movie doesn't didn't want his wife to come along before that that's true because this it's pretty consistent about her not wanting to come along even <laughs> anywhere yeah like honey we should get married i don't think you should come with me to the courthouse yeah <laughs> you know it's but but yeah because because then you would at least have another conflict you'd have like you know does he fight the temptation to cheat on his wife or not and even and even then like towards the end of the movie when you find out she passes away he gets a call about his wife while he's while he's with these with this other woman and it's like oh all right she knows he's married okay so maybe i misread it but it, it was definitely a weird it was definitely a weird thing that i felt they should have handled a little bit differently but you know they couldn't unfortunately oh well it's in the past yeah next up the smiling lieutenant directed by ernst lubich uh written by ernest Valja, samson raphaelson based on the waltz dream by leopold jacobson starring maurice chevalier claudette colbert and miriam hopkins this movie was nominated for best picture and it did not win it at the end um it is about an amorous lieutenant who is forced to marry a socially awkward princess though he tries to keep his violin playing girlfriend on the side this is a pre-code movie if you couldn't tell from that description because that is just not something that would happen what is wild to me so like the setup of this movie is that like like the lieutenant and like you know like gets together with the violin the smiling and, one. And, right and the smiling one right and he has this you know they love each other all the stuff and they're like they're gonna get married or whatever like they're having the time of their lives and then like while the lieutenant's on duty like and they're like then the king and the princess are like coming through on a carriage across the way is the violinist and the lieutenant winks at her but the princess sees the wink and thinks it's directed at her and so she's like well now we have to get married this guy winked at me no no he no he laughs and the princess gets upset the king calls him in and is like why did you laugh in the presence of a princess and he couldn't say for some reason he couldn't say well i was laughing at my girlfriend because that was not right uh did you not see the wink like that was the whole thing he was smiling and he winked and the princess saw it right but she says he was laughing well maybe that was part of it but the the wink was definitely and then, there and then he's like well i was laughing because the princess is so beautiful and then the princess is like well then we should get married and he's like ah yes because i can't tell you about my violinist playing girlfriend because that would be because weird apparently reasons yeah. yeah yeah so that was the 
part that was so weird because then like he tries to keep this violinist on the side while he's going through this like getting married to the princess and then he does get married to the princess and like still and then she's like (laughs) and then she's like we're married we should do couple stuff and he's like no no i have a violinist girlfriend but then the violinist girlfriend is like well we had a good run i guess i'll teach this your wife now your wife to you know play the violin to be sexy and then you'll be happy and i'll just go off into the sunset myself (laughs) like what is happening yes i'll die now (laughs) yeah like what what is happening Ah, she played the role of obi-wan kenobi well yeah she sure did she really she really really disappeared when uh when darth vader swung that lightsaber at her um so i think it's like it's it's fun but it it, It, it has this really baffling outcome it is and of course it's a baffling it's a baffling story and outcome because it's maury chevalier in a movie that's true and he can't make taller when he was way young like you know if you notice that well yeah when you get older yeah but he looks like over six feet in these movies i think that's because everybody else is much shorter it has to be because i was like wow you look tall and then you see maury chevalier in like the 50s and you're like you're not tall like (laughs) everybody else evolved and he and he just kind of shrunk uh it is a, you know what, it, it's absurdist story, but it's not played as absurdist as it could be, like as it would have been today. Like this is, this is like, the storyline is oh, almost bordering on like. Maurice Chevalier was 5'11". Yeah, so that's, that's, wow, that's tall. pretty tall. Yeah. yeah. Um, like today, this movie would have been like done by, by like somebody from Monty Python or that other guy that is doing really mean, bad comedies nowadays. I was going to say, you mean this, this show, this, this movie, in 2022 would have been made by a guy like this like John Cleese where yes. some of them are dead and the yep. rest of them are in their 80s yeah it would have been weird but still yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> these guys who aren't working anymore yeah right, like good. like John Cleese would have been like if we're gonna remake a John, um, Marie Chevalier picture with me at this age why don't we do the other one where he sings about little girls I don't know like at least I'm age appropriate for that role that Gigi? yeah that was Gigi. yeah, yeah. Uh, but, but that's what I'm saying is like this kind of movie in today's age would be tackled by by like in a like not necessarily a troop of people but the absurdist style of of directing or or writing or comedy now and this was kind of an absurdist plot in a restrained in a restrained version of it where it was fun it, you know it had some really good laughs like the, you know the night of their wedding and and she's like all right it's our wedding night as a married couple we should do the married couple thing Thing, and he's like, no. And then the father comes in and he's like, so you want to play checkers? <laughs> <laughs> Did you relate to him at all? <laughs> the father? No. No, no. I've been Maurice Chevalier. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh. Yeah, yeah, no. He was, uh, he was, he was quite a relatable character, but it was, it was a fun movie. I don't know if I would definitely, I probably would never go back and watch it, but it was. Out of these two Maurice Chevalier movies that are, that were here, I'd rewatch Smiling Lieutenant before one hour with you i found because i found that the more absurdism of smiling lieutenant at least engaging <laughs> well we'll remember you said that when when we review one hour with you more obvious eh, not plot absurdism but like the <laughs> like the you know like like you said like no i will not have sex with you do you want to play checkers yeah <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> like that's funny it, um, it is like it is it is a funny movie and you know so i can definitely see the charm of this movie but at the at the end of the day it's a little too like what the hell is going on like what like who thought of this script like uh i could tell you 
you. Ernest Valja, Samson Raphaelson, based on The Wall Street by Leopold Jacobson. Oh, well, that makes sense. Doesn't it, though? Can you give yeah. me some fun facts for this movie? I can. Uh, there we go. One of 700 Paramount Productions filmed between 1929 and 1949, which were sold to MCA Universal in 1958 for television distribution and have been owned and controlled by Universal ever since. The restored version of this film was first released on DVD February 12, 2008, as one of four in Criterion's Loopstock Musicals collection and has since enjoyed occasional presentations on Turner Classic Beasts. Wonderful. Yes. Marie Chevalier did not get along with George Cukor, so Ernest Lubitsk filmed most of his seats. Um, yes, no, George uh, Are you sure you're reading Smiling Lieutenant? I don't think you're reading Smiling Lieutenant. You're reading One Hour With You because George Cukor was an uncredited director on One Hour With You, but both of them were directed by Ernest Lubin. Uh, fine. Let's do the other one then. The Operetta. Was there an Operetta in this movie? Sure. Okay. The Operetta by Felix Dorman and Leopold Jacobson opened in Leipzig, Germany on May 31st, 1907, an English version entitled A Waltz Dream with music by Oscar Strauss, an English book by Joseph W. Herbert, opened in New York City on January 27th, 1908, and ran for 111 performances. It is not known if any of Strauss's music from that production was used in this film. The songs, however, had a new lyricist and new titles. Wonderful. The delightful rhythmic underscoring of the film, which comments ironically on the mood of the characters, may be the first work of the great orchestrator, sorry, Conrad Salinger, whose magnificent symphonic arrangements set the style of MGM musicals of the 1940s and 50s. Salinger was a pupil of Frederick Dulles. Oh. Yeah. As in Dulles Airport. Interesting. Yep. A French version with dialogue and lyrics by Henry Badaletti was shown in New York on the 15th of October, 1931. and was also a big hit in Paris. It had the same three leading actors and was filmed at the same time as the English language version as dubbing had not yet been invented really yeah i didn't put it in the put it in the smiling lieutenant but the same thing kind of applied for the smiling lieutenant they filmed the french version at the same time oh well, that's so interesting yeah um probably looks better that way when you just redo everything in the language so their mouths match up <laughs> yeah that which is really the most important thing yeah it's expensive but it looks better yeah right. uh let's go to do you want to do one hour with you since we're actually talking about uh since we're talking about Marie yeah Marie. um directed by ernst lubitsch uh, an uncredited director of George Gore, uh, written by Lothar Schmidt, uh, based on the play Only a Dream, uh, Samson Raphaelson and Leopold Marchand, starring Maurice Chevalier, Jeanette McDonald, and Genevieve Tovin. This movie was nominated for Best Picture and did not win. Uh, it revolves around an unhappy married couple uh, or an unhappy married couple that tries to come between a happy one. So it's the less good version of Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf. That's, that was my takeaway on this. I mean, that's kind of a matter of opinion. It's the more comedic version of Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf. It's the less good version of Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf, which is very funny. Um, (laughs) Very funny. It's hilarious. It is uncomfortably hilarious. Yeah, I, um, it was like, uh, this is a movie, this is, again, this is a movie that exists. It was not awful. It, like, made me laugh a little bit, but that's pretty much, that's pretty much it. It it was funny because this was the movie I was watching when you had sent me a text about about how it was weird seeing these movies that was a little bit pre-Hayes Code or just before the Hayes Code. Oh, yeah. And how conservative movies got after the Hayes Code. And this was the movie I was actually watching as you had sent the text. 
And it the scene of them in the taxi where he's like, I can't be in this taxi with you. And I'm like, really? We got more conservative than this? Yep. Well, sure, yeah, because that is funny. Because then the movie went on and you're like, oh, no, I see. Yes, I, I understand what you're talking about. But I'm, just, I'm like, I'm like, can't be in the cab with, with the woman. Okay. Yeah. yeah, that's not really what the point of that scene was. But I no, I know. Because yeah. then she was like, well, since we're going to get talked about anyway, we might as well do something. And yeah, he's like, that's, yeah, that's a that's like, yeah, that's code. a good idea. Yeah. Wait a second. <laughs> yeah, that's the Hayes Code. So, um, not the Hayes Code. But, um, yeah, it was it was a movie. Like, truthfully, I had not a hard time following along with it, but, like, it was just, like, yeah, okay, they, they like, and then uh, he kisses her, and he, like, waits, and I'm like, like, is it? I mean, truthfully, I didn't make the Virginia Wolf connection until, like, we were talking about it right now. I wasn't watching it being, like, a Virginia wolf, wolf just was, passed Virgin- outside your Virginia window. Virginia Wolf like, was wait better. a second. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, it's just it was fine it just it did not capture my attention in any way it just felt like it I mean it's definitely not if I were to think of like movies that were tailor made not for Tim I would think of this movie pretty easily why exactly Uh, it deals a lot with it flippantly deals a lot with um, with the idea of extramarital affairs yeah I I guess but I mean which isn't that's not like a sore spot with me like no, 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 I'm not saying it's a source spot, but what I'm saying is the way it the way it kind of deals with it and at the same time by an extent of the way they deal with it by also the marriage, it's it's a little flippant with the Yeah, I guess that's I guess that's true. Yeah, I actually wouldn't have thought that would be the reason that it was like it didn't engage me, but you might be right. Like it's just like I didn't agree with character choices. I couldn't connect to any of them. Right. Like and, 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 and like I don't have to necessarily connect to them to like to understand understand them but like i can't like i'm not even i'm not even i'm not even intrigued by the decisions that they're making that would not be my decisions because like i don't watch a movie about a serial killer but i wouldn't make these decisions but i'm intrigued by the decisions that you're making right but it's also like it's also like the any and i'm not saying that one has to happen over the other but it's not like there's any sort of thing that happens in the movie with uh the maurice valier couple that really necessitates or engages or even pushes them to even remotely that's like contemplating yep it's a... just like it's just like quirky happen circumstance yeah they just are because they are like yeah that's, that's all we have time for typically that's the theme of this right and movies we and are because we are and it's kind of weird and it seems a little bit out of character for them because at the beginning we see like they're a very they're a very in love couple oh yeah and you're right like stuff can happen like people can stray even in like a very happy marriage that doesn't have to be anything that precipitates it like you don't have to get into a fight mm-hmm. or start hating the person you're married to and you won't get a divorce like none of that has to happen for stuff for other stuff to happen but this i think kind of deals with it a little like i said flippantly that i could see like some people being like you know what i just don't it's not for me and not that it's not good just i don't understand like why this is going the way it is you know that's a good i think the flippant is a good word because there's not enough to necessitate their actions and not mm. like and I'm not, not even like a fair or not a fair whatever just like in general the yeah. way that everyone acts in the movie there's like not enough the tone of the movie doesn't reflect the surface level movement of their emotions yeah yeah because like so the 
cab scene like I was referencing is the first time Maurice Chevalier and this woman meet and she's just like now she's in an unhappy marriage okay fine but he, she's like well we're in a cab right they're gonna talk about us yep so we should just do stuff anyway yep like I get where she's coming from but not like he's just like yep uh huh yep. I agree I agree wait a second yeah <laughs> I don't know yeah it's just it's whatever it, yeah it's, yeah it was I I enjoyed it for for what it was like again like this is this is about what we get for for screwball comedy in this time frame we either get three stooges or we get this like mm-hmm. there's no there's no like middle ground yeah maybe that's it they were shooting for middle ground and it just didn't it land just for didn't, you yeah didn't land there but that's and, all right. yeah yeah I mean I I enjoyed it I but I agree with you the the writing is a little vapid and weird where stuff happens that don't necessarily necessarily make a lot of sense in the grand scheme of things but i do i do like the character interactions i thought like the scene where his wife uh is talking about kissing someone not when she's like when she puts it in the context of a dream but after she finds out that that or uh, her husband kissed another woman she's like well i did something too and then she, <laughs> she's going on this long story <laughs> like i i did i did like where he, like the guy keeps looking over and he's like like and then you kissed me in a enjoyed it right he's like mm. and Moose Drive's like oh, I mean yeah sure like yeah 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 sure knock yeah. yourself out yeah whatever yeah so uh, like that scene I thought was terrific just the way he plays it like every time she said like every time she says something he stands up like he's feigning indignant sit down sit down and like yeah. the time he doesn't she's like sit down and he stands up good I mean yeah like it just like it took to the end of the movie to get there and yeah. like so but whatever G- give yeah. me some fun facts on this movie we saw well I already gave you about. two so the third one is True. even though it was pre Hayes Code era it was one of the few films of the time to show a married couple in the same bed together <gasps> yeah. I know. They used to have to live in separate beds. Gasp. Um, all right. Since you already did the other two, let's talk about The Champ, directed by King Vador, written by Francis Marion, Wanda Tukok, uh, or Tuchok, uh, and Don Marquis, starring Wallace Beery, Jackie Cooper, and Irene Rich, nominated for Best Picture and Best Director. It won Best Actor for Beery and Best Writing for an Original Story. The story revolves around an alcoholic ex-boxer struggling to provide a good living for his son. Um, I really enjoyed this movie the i thought i i thought it was engaging uh i thought like all of its pieces came together really well story was good acting was good jack cooper pre perry white and the super duper and superman was super duper um it was a good kid there was lots of dolly cams i don't know if you noticed that like it was like we can move the camera forward now and it was like <laughs> we like, just we have this it. new invention it's called train tracks yeah and like i was like oh my god like it is yes i understand the the camera could go forward into a room it's amazing it's called- we invented this brand new thing. It's called wheels. Yeah, I just like <laughs> wow. We put them on the bottom of this camera. See, wee. Like, so, <laughs> like, uh, like I, I lost the thread of it after a while. But between like them jogging at the beginning and then them finding him in the bar, and it was like moving through the bar. I was like, yes, you are. You are moving forward. Good for you guys. <laughs> Good. Um, but uh, but I liked it. I mean, it's like mostly the kids' point of view, which I which I kind of enjoyed because like, but it's still Wallace Beery's, um, whom I thought the way he was talking like i like i was like are you 
the voice of Baloo from the Jungle Book, or did they did they base Baloo on you? Because it seems like they did. And it's not. He died like just a few years after me. Um, yeah, yeah. But um, uh, um, but yeah, I enjoyed it. Like it was uh, it it took it it had enough surprises or like narrative or like narrative spins mm-hmm. to like not be totally absurd because it sets a lot up ahead of time. Like it just kind of tells you information. It it's not it um it doesn't reveal secrets in a way that's like <gasps> and then this like it's just like it's all naturally part of their lives like you yeah. know like you know the the woman that you know Jackie Gleason knows is like actually his mother and it just kind of like lets all of that come out in a pretty natural way like mm-hmm. it's it's not a big shot it's like obviously a shock to him but but not to the audience same way the the way that um, it delivers its like its drama is is good um I couldn't really truthfully there really wasn't anything like truly like weak in it I was just like yeah that's that was yeah. good I mean, I I enjoyed it. I thought uh, Wallace Berry did a really good job as as the main character, and to the extent of like when I think of when I think of old time Hollywood boxer, like this is the caricature that I would think of. Uh, you know, a, a, a drinking, you know, just the way, like his, the way he moves his body, the way he, you know, the way he talks, everything about his mannerisms, like like that, like that seems to be where the template comes from. Mm-hmm. Up until you get to say like rocky rocky right yeah that's that's how i felt that was like this kind of not pre-rocky i mean obviously it is pre-rocky yes, but this is like pre-rocky. but it is like a, the quintessential boxing story before you get to rocky yeah um and i was like weirdly it's so what's, what's weird is that i was like rocky has like conditioned me to like expect the rocky ending and that's not like you still kind of get like I mean, you, um, you get the rocky ending yeah he, in, a, in, oh, a, no, he in wins. a different way yes you know yeah. he wins but he dies like boilers he, like immediately eventually like uh, like oh, pretty much immediately after well, no, I, just, <laughs> I was trying to forgive them of the spoilers Tim I was just saying the character eventually uh, dies came out at some point 1931 I don't care um so um but because they were like oh you know if you if you if you fight one last time your heart's not gonna take it. he's like yeah 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 but the kid I gotta make the kid proud of me you want to be like wouldn't the kid rather have his father alive like just putting that out there but I like that it's it sets up this relationship with his mother mm. early you know to be like they're not together because of him you know she's a wonderful person like you know she's got a good you know she's got a good second husband who actually does care about Jackie Gleason and they want what's best for him so like when his father dies it is this sad moment but it's also this like really fulfilling moment like his life has taken him as far as he can and now like Irene Rich is going to take over um and really you know help this kid become a better person like than than the path that he would have been on with dad wow that's that is very like casting stones at him Tim. Well, why am I cat? What? Saying that his life is going to be better now that his father died. Well, not that his father died. Just that, just that, like the influence of his dad and the li- and the poor life that they lead. You know, like you have this like nine or ten year old kid who's like basically like making sure his dad doesn't like his dad's not too drunk. It's teaching him responsibility. This, dad's not too this. Like it's it's a semi abusive relationship. Not in a like in a way that like he has too much responsibility for his father when his father should have responsibility for him ah and so uh his father got him a horse it's fine yeah right so he just buys him presents to make up yeah. for it, but then loses the horse because of a gambling addiction but then got it back it's fine because he had to win the fight to do it he's like he's his own worst enemy anyway that's my point like it's a, it's a really well structured well thought out movie um and so I, I i liked it it was good writing yeah yeah it was it was good um uh, one thing i'll mention is the 
you know, again, like all these movies are like an hour and a half top. And so this movie, while it doesn't, you know, while it had a little bit of time to give character growth and and setting things up, it was like that came at the expense of the boxing match because, oh, man, was the boxing match sped up. Oh, my gosh, wasn't it? I actually slowed <laughs> down. I was watching it on my iPad, so I slowed it down to point yeah. zero five to, like, watch it in regular speed. And even that couldn't do it. Yeah. Like, also, also, man, fight choreography in the in this day and age was horrible for boxing matches. They were they they were just wild haymakers everywhere. Yeah. And it's not even like it's All not even the like they're they're wild haymakers, but not even like they don't look like they even have a lot of force behind them. And it's just like them swinging wildly at each other's like shoulder. Well, you know what it was too. I was thinking about this too because the way that the cameras place, you're watching both of them actually like hit each other. So there's really no fight choreography going on. So it's right. not like let's angle the camera this way so it makes you look like you're punching him really str- like really strong right but you're actually five feet away from him there was nothing like that <laughs> they were just wailing on each other but they had to do it like so yep. they weren't going to kill each other so. right so it was and like, then they sped it up and I, was, shoulders. I just like i believed it as far as i could and then yeah. but you know like yeah that's fine whatever yeah um yeah but uh good movie yeah um fun fun fact for uh for the champ wallace berry actually got one less vote than frederick than frederick mark in the 1931-32 Academy Awards voting for Best Actor, but the rules at the time considered anyone with one or two votes less than the leader as being a tie, so they both got Academy Awards. What? Yep. Wow. <laughs> wow. Yep. Well, which, I mean, I kind of feel bad because I, I think Wallace Berry uh, should have gotten it. Wallace Berry was none too thrilled to be working with Jackie Cooper, sharing most adult actors' distrust of child stars. Cooper later would later accuse the star of trying to upstage him in treating him like an unkept dog, behavior he'd uh, ascribed to jealousy. Hmm. Well, you know, it just really gave him that gumption that he needed later for Perry White, so it's okay. Yeah. King Bador, feeling that Jackie Cooper didn't seem to get into the spirit of the part, pretended to fire assistant director Robert Golden because Cooper was fond of him. After Cooper burst into tears, the article continues, Vador shot the scenes he wanted, then rewarded him for being a good boy by rehiring Golden. Cooper's autobiography makes no mention of this incident, but notes that as a child, Hooper cared neither for Golden or Wall- or Wallace Berry. This story is undoubtedly based on an incident that occurred during the filming of Skippy, another movie's release in 1931. The director, Cooper's uncle, pretended to shoot Jackie's dog. Cooper titled the, autobi- the autobiography, Please Don't Shoot My Dog. Oh my gosh, that's horrible. But also, well, if you need to become trick a better actor, kid, if you, I was going <laughs> to need to trick the kid that bad, maybe this isn't the, maybe this isn't for you, kiddo. Yeah. You know, but you know, be an adult first. I don't know. <laughs> um, all right. Moving on to Five Star Final, directed by Mervyn Leroy, written by Byron Morgan, Robert Lord, based on the play by Louise Whiteson, um, starring Edward G. Robinson, Marion Marsh, and H.B. Warner. This movie was nominated for Best Picture, and it won no awards. It is about a city editor, editor played by Edward G. Robinson, uh, of a sleazy tabloid who goes against his own journalistic ethics to resurrect a 20-year old murder case with tragic results. Um, so basically they find out that the this um, middle-aged woman who murdered somebody in her 20s, assumably in self-defense, the way that they talk about how it was justified and everything, um, is her daughter's getting married and how they're going to like publish this story and it just like spirals the family out of troll and kind of ruins her, uh, kind of ruins their lives. And I was like, Pfft. I thought you don't get to spend a lot of time with the Voorhees, Nancy Voorhees, which I thought was which is amazing. <laughs> it's like so good. I'm like, because that's definitely where.
where the name Jason Voorhees comes from. Like, there's no question. Like, I don't like, right? Like, was that a fun fact? Please tell no. me that was one of your fun facts. Damn it. No. Um, but anyway, so the the murderess's name is Nancy Voorhees. So obviously, she like throws herself in a lake, um, or whatever, and becomes a, ser- a hockey killer. Um, uh, but uh, I don't think you spend enough time with them to really like truly feel for her. And so, I guess spoilers for this movie. It's hard to talk about it without spoilers. Like, she commits suicide on the day of her daughter's wedding because she on this the day of my daughter's wedding because she doesn't want to be a disgrace to her daughter because like the the story the newspaper print you know the story gets published and you know and and, you know like the groom's parents like oh you can't you know like you know our our son won't marry your daughter so she so so the mom kills herself the dad finds her tells his daughter that everything's fine his mom's gone then the dad kills himself all on the like it's just like it just spirals so wildly so quickly it really and, like, does like and, and all off screen by the way all off screen yep and and uh i it, it's powerful but because you don't spend time uh, tons of time with this family because the movie's so short like you like you connect with them like kind of on a peripherally peripherally or like on a surface level but not hugely that way but then like by the end edward g robinson's like i ain't doing this anymore we got tons of blood in our hands the stories we've published over the years because these other like publishers on the border like yeah well what what's in the news the next day and you know like and he so he's like edward g robinson's like i'm out of here and then it turns out it was all just yesterday's news so this like woman died for nothing and her husband died for nothing and ruined this family's life and it was just like it, it, the movie just feel like you just feel so empty and angry all at the same time by the end of the movie and so like i think it's well done and i just like needed it to be longer mm. like what did you think a- absolutely um i think the name jason is a combination of josh and ian miller's two sons and Voorhees was inspired by a girl that miller knew at high school whose last name was Voorhees, and that's where jason Voorhees come from huh i really wish that it came from here because like what are the chances really pretty good it seems Pre- apparently yeah but, yeah um so yeah so basically the the point of this movie is is journalistic uh, a, integrity yes uh and and the rise the seeming rise of of sensationalism journalism or even uh, tabloid. Yep. Uh, so, which is weird that that's all we know. have now. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. yeah. What's uh, in your ca- what is in your cabinet that will kill you? News at eleven. Like you know, like <laughs> but but it's eight. I have to go to my cabinet soon. <laughs> yeah. But like, what's in there? Is it a monster? <laughs> Baking soda? What is going to kill me? Like, uh, and you know, this is kind of warning against that. And you have you have the publisher that is trying to do this to up circulation and you have the editor who's like goes along with it but after all you know after all that he's kind of like you know what i'm done this mm-hmm. and you know then you have the the office staff that kind of go, goes along with it you have uh you have uh frankenstein playing a worse monster than frankenstein frankenstein's monster no nope. it's frankenstein's his name is monster. frankie jr frankie frankie jr yeah no it's boris karloff is frankenstein's monster i would also accept the narrator from the Grinch. <laughs> the other no, because the narrator from the Grinch was nice. This guy was not nice. No, he was awful. He was also the singer from the Grinch. Frankenstein's monster is actually a better person than this. Well, guy. yeah, he's more misunderstood, mainly because he doesn't talk. Like I feel, I feel like if Frankenstein's monster was able to talk, his life would have been different. It might have been much different. Yeah, I agree. Uh, so yeah, uh, he, you know, Boris Karloff is is a despicable person in this movie. You have uh, Edward G. Robinson who is 
a little bit sympathetic in which like he he's got to go like he is so much that you can takes. you can yeah that's it you can see what this has done to him and this is the final draw but there's like there's no consequences like the biggest consequence that any of these people face is the daughter showing up and being like I'm sad at you <laughs> you killed my mother and you killed my mother and you killed my mother okay bye now see ya yeah <laughs> which I thought she was really well acted but that's yeah. like I'm here to deliver it's like the ghost it was like Jacob Marley being like <laughs> I'm really upset you won't be haunted by three spirits or anything I'm just here to tell you that you're upset like that I'm upset all right see ya like but next time watch out next time you come after my mother beware <laughs> yeah it's so bad when the publishers are like we could spin this to be like the authorized like history in like off like just yeah because you know what I think is that like it's a weirdly tight I... story and that's like what hurts about it oh man my the worst the worst part of this movie is like as you're talking about like them trying to spin this their marketing guy is like we can pay her a thousand dollars and the publisher's like nah that's too little twelve hundred yeah I actually looked it up I did the inflation calculator it's like twenty grand or like twenty three grand or something like that like for murdering her parents that's uh yeah. Yeah. Here's twenty thousand dollars. We're sorry that's, we killed that's ten thousand for each. Like yeah. wild, wild. Yeah. Um, and of course, it's pre. It, you know, it's Hays Code. So like the, so the suicides are done off, off camera. Screen. And like the first time, you're like, okay, what happened? Because like she just walks off screen into the next room. You hear her cry a bit, and then you hear like a little shuffling, and that's it. And it's not until like the husband opens the door, and again, you don't see her body. Like yeah, you just I see actually, his reaction. Truthfully, I found that more affecting because just the imagination a part of it like you know what did she do in there like, what I, does he see yeah, yeah, I had and, no idea because the same thing that happens with him like I don't know yeah I don't I I found that more affecting I but because he killed he shot himself so I think that there was like like that she had a gun and shot herself muffled with the pillow I don't know but yeah I think like I I kind of liked the off-screen nature of it though I was like Hayes code like yeah. that's like in my mind I was like what would I See, just if this movie was made like six months previous to this, what would I have seen? Right. Um, but I don't know. But I, anyway, I liked it. I think I just needed it needed more time to flesh out the family. Yes. Yeah. This is another movie that kind of really suffers from its hour and a half thing that you don't get any real background on the characters, and yeah. that is a that is a detriment to this movie. You know, it's so sad because like you know, like you get these eight movies and you're like, yes, they're all short. Thank <laughs> God. And then like, and then you like, and you're like, damn you're it, like, why are these so short? They need to be longer to be better like yeah. so i'm not asking for more like 20 minutes it doesn't need to be a full two hours even i just <laughs> need like an extra few minutes so anyway give me some fun facts on five star final which is not a good title for this movie by the way uh it makes sense it 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 doesn't um it doesn't intrigue you the way it's like it's like the opposite of bad girl where you're like this movie's not about a bad girl i'm so I, confused i agree but uh given the context of the movie five star final is what uh papers called the the last edition of the of the newspaper this is back when newspapers published multiple editions, multiple editions throughout the day. day yeah so i guess it's a better title then than it is now yes yeah okay well that's that's yep. that's good on the release upon the film's release press baron William Randolph Hearst deemed the film to be an assault upon his Hearst-owned newspapers known for their muckraking stories and vicious tactics. What's that? Hearst, Hearst is upset about <laughs> something for, be, for being a terrible person? I'm shocked. Shocked to find gambling happening in this establishment. Hearst pressured the mayor of Boston to ban the film and to issue a public statement decrying the false depiction of journalism. <laughs> 
Prior to its release, the film was attacked by censors as exceedingly dangerous due to its negative depiction of the press. The censors also objected to the character of Isopod, Boris Karloff. In the earlier drafts of the script, the character of Isopod is a, def- is a defrocked Catholic priest who betrays his ministerial oath, frequent saloons, and sexually assaults a female reporter in a taxi cab. His role in the film was slightly revised, was significantly revised to be less villainous. And by I mean, slightly revised, you mean like a couple completely different character uh significantly sorry significantly revised to be slightly less villainous and to be a different character altogether um does it though because they do mention they while you never hear or see anything one his his like go-to shtick is is pretending to be a priest yep i remember that uh and two um the woman who who gets uh hired this is like her first day on the job is told not to share a cat a cab with this guy oh so they just it's like the suicide off screen where it's like right they, like they dance around the things they watch yeah. in the movie but they didn't yeah yeah and i mean this is the 1930s so so you have it's more scandalous you have prohibition so they're going yep. to speakeasies right so that's kind of what a saloon is yeah yeah so basically they didn't change this guy <laughs> no i guess not well. <laughs> the evening gazette is based on real life new york evening graphic the most sensational of all the front page era tabloid papers critics called it the porno graphic the paper owned by Bernard McFadden published from 1924 to 1932. At the time this film was made, the graphic had been losing circulation because its new editor had been trying to make it a more respectable paper, just like in the film. The paper was best known for its composograph, composite photographs used to create an otherwise unobtainable illustration. Louise Weitzer- Weitzerkin, who wrote the original play, had been a reporter and editor in the evening graphic. That's kind of cool. Yeah. Then cool. Um, uh, it's wild, actually, that it's slightly based on something real, but even though I kind of knew that it was. Meanwhile, yeah. Hearst is like, it's about me. Like, calm down. Yeah. It's not about you. <laughs> it is, but it's not about you. Um, Alright, the last movie, Grand Hotel, directed by Edmund Goulding, uh, written by uh, William A. Drake, uh, based on the play Grand Hotel from 1930, and the uh, play, which is based on the play Mencham im Hotel uh, by Big Balm, 1929, starring Greta Garbo, John Barrymore, and Joan Crawford, nominated for no other awards, but it somehow won Best Picture. Wild. Um, it's about a group of very different individuals staying at a luxurious hotel in Berlin as they deal with each of their respective dramas. Now, there is a line in this movie, it's at the very end, it says, people come, people go, nothing ever happens. And I'd say that is the damnest fine review of this movie I have I could have murder to come to. Yeah, but it wasn't interesting murder. It really wasn't? <laughs> no. Fine. Like, it was just, like, nothing really, like, was the camera was not interested in anything that was happening in this movie. Yeah. Like, like, it was just a thing that existed and I feel like it wins Best Picture because either somebody bribed their way into getting this movie Best Picture or because Joan Crawford uh, and Greta Garbo were just like, especially Greta Garbo, was just like a, like a force of nature and like, oh, well, Greta Garbo said this is probably Best Picture. Or because like, it's dealing with multiple storylines from multiple people and as like, if we like, and so like, it's like, wow, look at all the things we could do with a, with a movie we could tell stories of alternate people and then and then the movie's over yeah I, I yeah i did not like this movie like it was really yeah and, and yeah i know what it is takes place in a hotel boring this is right up your alley i love hotels actually i know um i just even like multiple storylines for multiple people like on paper it has things that i like and it's like doctor who on paper has all the things that i like in practice meh. great now you just alienated our entire british fan base i don't think i did but 
but that's okay. You just said a bad thing about Doctor Who. I didn't say it was bad. I said that it's not for me. Uh-huh. Yeah. Doctor this, Who is for everybody, Tim. This is fine. It's a, but I mean like obviously it wasn't nominated for any other awards either. So like Yeah, but that the I Academy mean, agrees with Most me. of the films weren't nominated for anything. Shush, I didn't shush. so be, because this kind of applied to so many movies this year only one of the movies this shows up is a fun fact and it might have been the Grand Hotel there are in Academy history there are eight I believe movies nominated for best picture and nothing else four of them are this year wow wow <laughs> and one of them won and one of them won the only one to ever win yeah that was definitely like everybody's like in there thinking it's gonna be Shanghai Express or the champ or something like that and then this is called everyone's like yeah uh, yeah yeah even the people who won are like, yeah, all right. <laughs> How are we here? Who cares? Like, yeah. Um, so, all right. So, you know, we can we can take shots for this movie winning Best Picture. I will say that this is a very well acted movie. It's good. Yeah, it's freaking Greta Garbo and Joe Crawford. Of course, of course, good. John Barrymore even, is great. I was gonna say you got Lionel Barrymore, who uh, is Mr. Potter, at, and he's like a completely different person. Like in this, he reminds me of um he reminds me of Burgess Meredith as as uh the guy the from trainer. Twilight no from Twilight Zone time enough oh there was last. time now right there was time I always forget that's Burgess Meredith that's right yeah. yeah or pretty much any of Burgess Meredith's uh Twilight Zone appearances he all you know he kind of played the same character over and over again but like that's who that's who Lionel Barrymore in this reminded me of and it's a far cry from his Mr. Potter just what a decade yeah, later he's a, yeah he's a great he's a very good actor but I, uh, like I said, th- this movie, like I said, on paper, this movie should be good. Like, yeah. Yeah, and, and it's just, and, and it's Wallace not that Berry it's... as, uh, as the general director. Yeah. Like I said, yeah. It, not that it's bad. It's just the okayest of okay movies. Like, it's just like, it's just like not, it doesn't invest itself in itself as a movie. It just like exists to exist. I didn't find anything overly well done about anything. And it was just whatever. And I know that I wasn't burnt out from watching them. You know how like sometimes you get to the end and you're like, it's like a marathon where you finally just get to the end, right? And uh, this is the first one I watched. Yeah, and, this, like, was, this was this because I watched them when I when I googled them. I went from the bottom to the top, so this was like the third or fourth movie I watched. So it was kind of it was kind of in the middle for me. But I will say this just because uh, just because of like it's hard to schedule doing the episodes right now because uh, because of how hect- uh, of how hectic your your scheduling is mm-hmm. that I pretty much like the way we do this now is you text me when like you have one or two movies left that you know you're going to be able to get to yep. and then I start watching them so I usually watch them in a much tighter span and sometimes that leads to like I have to watch them when I'm when I'm doing computer work or whatever and this movie I did when I was when I was doing computer work and the way that this movie's done it lent itself so easily to being able to do something else and still know what's going on because they're kind of talking about everything and explaining everything there's no real like there's no real like simple things that you can miss so like mm-hmm. if you need a movie to to watch in the background as you're doing other stuff and not miss anything this movie this movie is for you uh it's a good point but, but yeah like the, the it just it doesn't coalesce to me as a as a very good movie it might be a fine movie and i think that's mo- mainly pretty much just based on the cast yep that's that, i think that's as fair as an accurate assessment of this movie as we're going to get yeah it is a it is a movie Mm-hmm. It, 
is. It is. I, I can confirm. The original MGM Grand in Las Vegas, where Bailey's now stands, was built to resemble the design of this film. Oh, that's kind of fun. Yeah, makes sense. It was called the Grand Hotel by MGM. MGM Grand. Get it? I do. Okay. I do, actually. It's great, actually. <laughs> Joan Crawford was admittedly awestruck by Greta Garbo. Though they had no scenes together, Crawford would greet the, igning, the enigmatic, enigmatic star with reverence whenever the two passed each other between camera setup. Garbo never responded, so Crawford ceased her efforts to, in, to engage her. Sometime later, Garbo stopped Crawford as she walked silently past her, remarking, aren't you going to say something to me? That's great. Yeah. All right. Daringly conceived by MGM production chief Irving Thalberg as what would become the first all-star film. Each studio had produced one all-star musical review in 1929 and 30 to showcase the splendors of sound, but conventional wisdom decreed the only that only that only other than one or two stars should appear in a picture, thus maximizing profits by forcing audiences to pay separate admissions to see their favorite stars spread across many films. Hmm. That philosophy changed after Grand Hotel, which featured five of MGM's top-tier stars and became one of the highest-grossing pictures in studio history. Realizing that one star leading vehicle could lasso attendance from each of the former's respective fan bases as opposed to producing five or six separate vehicles to achieve the same effect. Thalberg immediately set Dinner at Eight into motion as the first all-star comedy. Huh, that's yeah. very interesting. It's like a, it, it's like a, it's like they first, real, they, it's like, it's like a, like, I don't know, like a interconnected universe, but just the actors. For yeah. Their, for their contracts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I'm wondering, I'm wondering if the concept of like, this is a, this is a very star-studded movie, it, like, is the reason why this ended up winning Best Picture. Or, I mean, it's, it's or to that extent, because, because like, really, that still kind of holds true to today. Yeah. Um, no, you're right. Um, I was, I don't know why Ocean's Eleven was the first one to pop in my head because that did not win Best Picture. But like, no, but it got but nominated you, because of you do see you do see movies. Ocean's Eleven was nominated for Best Picture. No, uh, writing no, probably. Oh, um, but you're right. It does like you do see like you do see movies that have all star cast just um, nominated and even sometimes win, and you're like, okay, yeah. interesting, interesting. Why that was a choice <laughs> that you yep. made? Um, yep. There was that one time where they were gonna where they were gonna give it to La La Land, and they were like, no, no, let's give it to the one with, with like only one person anyone's heard of. Yeah. Moonlight. Moonlight. Anyway, uh, that's it for these movies. So we're going to do the rewindies. We're two sets Yay! of rewindies. But before we do the rewindies, you can email us at academyrewind at gmail.com, academyrewind.com uh, to check out all of the episodes. Um, you can find us all places that podcasts are streaming. Rate and review us on iTunes. Support us at patreon.com slash thoughtbubbleaudio and thoughtbubbleaudio.com to support all other Thought Bubble Audio programs. Now, two sets of rewindies. One for the 32s and then one for all of the twos uh, in every decade. Um, same categories. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So 1932 Rewindies, of course, we can only pick the movies that were nominated this year. Um, in this lineup, let's start with Supporting Actor. I give it to Jack Cooper for The Champ. Yeah, really? really? Yeah, I don't know. I couldn't really. I, th- th- truthfully, I had no idea what you were like. <laughs> Truthfully, uh, no whatsoever. Yeah. Uh, I am going to give it to William Breeley for The Grand Hotel. Sure. Great. Why not? Supporting actress, Marion Marsh for Five Star Fine. She was Nancy Voorhees. <laughs> uh, supporting actress, I am going to give it to Joan Crawford. Okay. Production design, I give to Aerosmith. Production design, Shanghai Express. Costume design, Shanghai Express. Costume design, Aerosmith. No, uh, Shanghai Express. <laughs> <laughs> uh, makeup and hairstyling, The Champ. Yes, The Champ. Music, The Smiling Lieutenant. One Hour With You. Sweet. <laughs> um, visual effects, The Champ? Question mark? 
Shanghai Express? Yeah, you know, I was going to Shanghai Express. <laughs> it's got a train. <laughs> when I was choosing, I was like, I don't really don't know what to do here. They're not really effect, none of these are really effect heavy. So, um, yeah, but I'll, I'll say Shanghai Express. Cinematography, Shanghai Express. Ah, uh, Shanghai Express. Editing, The Champ. Shanghai Express. Sound, The Champ. The Champ. Actor, Wallace Beery for The Champ. Uh, Wallace Beery, yes. Actress, Marlene Dietrich for Shanghai Express. Actress, I am going to give to, hold on a second. Uh, I'm going to give to Marilyn Mosh for Five Star Final. Okay. Uh, writing, The Champ. The Writing, Five Star Final. Director, Shanghai Express. Shanghai Express. Best Picture, The Champ. Five Star Final. I accept that. Yeah. I'd have been happy with that, The Champ, and I would have maybe begrudgingly accepted Shanghai Express, but like known that these other two options would have been a little better. Yeah. So, yeah. Hey, Mazel Tov, we did it. Okay. Um, now, on to the reward, the rewindies for all of the twos. These are, I mean, I feel like you're going to know where most of mine come from based on based on what has come here. But I promise you, I did not give all my awards to Lord of the Rings. Mm. Starting with supporting actor, Ian McKellen for Lord of the Rings. Maltese Falcon, Sydney Green Street. Supporting actress, Rita Morano for West Side Story. Uh, Marissa Tomei in the bedroom. Uh, production design, Lord of the Rings. Production design, West Side Story. Uh, costume design, Lord of the Rings, The Fellowship of the Ring. West Side Story. Makeup and hairstyle, Lord of the Rings, The Fellowship of the Ring. Moulin Rouge. Music, Raiders of the Lost Ark. JFK. Good choice. That has a great score. Yeah. yeah. Um, visual effects, Lord of the Rings, The Fellowship of the Ring. Uh, visual effects, West Side Story. <laughs> I don't think they were actually dancing. Okay, good. Uh, cinematography, Hugo. Moulin Rouge. Editing, JFK. Uh, editing, I will also give to Moulin Rouge. Sound, Lord of the Rings, The Fellowship of the Ring. West Side Story. Actor, Anthony Hopkins, Silence of the Lambs. Uh, Paul Newman, Hustler. Actress, Viola Davis for The Help. Uh, Nicole Kidman, Moulin Rouge. Writing, Fiddler on the Roof. JFK. Director, Peter Jackson for The Lord of the Rings. Boz Lerman for Moulin Rouge. Best Picture, The Lord of the Rings, The Fellowship of the Ring. Moulin Rouge. Success. We did it, everyone. We, we our, did. We picked our favorites. I chose good movies and Tim chose Lord of the Rings. I chose... I chose good movies, too. No, no. Raiders of the Lost Ark, man. Raiders of the Lost Ark. Silence of the Lamb. Um, Next up, next season of Academy Rewind, we have the 20, uh, we have the ones. So we have two seasons left, ones and zeros. Um, And so next up is the 2011 show. No, it's not. It's the 2021 show. No, we already did a 2021 show. It's the 2011. So here we go. If you want to go 2021, I'll rebroadcast in that one, and that will be the uh, <laughs> that will be the first episode. We'll do Look that at that. Day. We're already one episode in the can excellent all right so we have coming up 127 hours oh true, god true grit the social network the fighter winter's bone inception black swan the kids are all right toy story 3 and the king's speech wow i uh i'm finally gonna be able to get to see winter's bone i've been I'm putting that off exci- for a while i'm very excited about this lineup there's some of these i've been wanting to see for quite some time like winter's bone and i never got around to it and some that i have would really like to rewatch, and i have not gotten there yet like the social network so spoiler tim's just gonna give it to the king's speech all of them i love these though i know you do probably yeah and so did the academy that year even in retrospect they go huh 
uh, probably should have been social network, but that's okay. Yeah, should it have been? I don't know. It has a cannibal in it. Hard to tell. Um, two cannibals, really. One of them CG. Army Hammer. <laughs> no, he's real. No, I know he's real, but he plays a twin. He plays his like they play. He plays himself. They play, he plays both parts. Oh, uh, all right. So one of them so, is not real, or is he? I Maybe Army know. Hammer has a twin. I don't know, but it's got Andrew Garfield, so it's probably going to be good. Again, no, no, definitely won't. It. Then yeah. that point. All right. Well, uh, thank you for joining us in Academy Rewind, which is fine because they are playing us off. No, I have some wonderful people to thank. Well, too bad. Bye. Bye.